You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands. I'm joined as always by John Townley and a special guest, Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And I've got that podcast name out in one go without stuttering over it for the, probably the first time. And uh, for the first time in what, since game week 10 or 15 or whatever it was, Aston Villa are not 11th. It's unbelievable. Into the top half, ninth place, not just overtaking Chelsea, overtaking Fulham as well. Gents, John, I'll start with you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. We've been saying that for, I was going to say weeks, it's been months, hasn't it, that mm. we've been saying, oh, but we're still in the 11th after winning like three games in a row. It was. Um, so yeah, just to get into the top 10 and then we've sort of had our patience rewarded and now we're ninth and like two points off European football, I think. So mm. yeah, loads to look forward to and yeah, great, um, great night. Neil, before we started, I know you've done your own podcast already as well, so we'll give a link out to that in the in the comments as well. Before we started, you were like, oh, I've, got, I've got a bottle of beer, I'll put it away. Put it back out if you want, mate. Have a beer, celebrate. <laughs> I've only got water in front of me here, but yeah, what a, what a night, what a feeling. Yeah, I was chugging down a moment ago and I went, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all good in my own podcast, but I can't do it in somebody else's, you know. Um, but yeah, great. Listen, look, Aston Villa on the crest of a wave. Uh, Unai Emery has come in here, he's found, he's found the secret sauce. Like he really has, he's because we we haven't exactly gone out and 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 changed eleven players like the team we played today. We've gone out and we've utilised what we have, and essentially what he's done is he's just done a small bit of redecorating, and 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 all of a sudden the players f- feel more comfortable, feel more at home, and uh, all you got to do is look at the way John McGinn has spoken in, in, during the last week and spoke after the match after the game today, and 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 that tell, that speaks volumes, I suppose, about how the players have bought into his way of thinking. And uh, it's uh, I, I know it can be a small bit hyperbolic to say, but, you know, he is the reason that Aston Villa are are, are shooting up the league. And uh, long may it continue because um, to have that, that level of organisation, that level of structure, that level of attention to detail is uh, may not be the prettiest thing on the field for 90 minutes, but it's, it's really effective. Mm. Yeah, um, before we get any further, we're going to try something different today for the first time ever on a live show at least. We did a phone-in while well, Stephen Gerrard was still here, so it tells you how long ago it was. Um, but we're going to do some voice notes that people have sent me, and I think I've got three or four that I can actually use that the audio is good, or they're not just rambling and swearing or whatnot. Yeah, let's get into the game then before we go uh, into the, the fan kind of messages later on. There's a moment during the commentary, I think it was Andy Hinchcliffe, said something like, when he was like summarising the game, he said something like, oh, Villa won't want to play this kind of style, but it's effective for them and it's doing well. Words to that effect. And I was kind of sat there thinking, don't we want to play this way? What's wrong with playing the way we are? It's an effective means of earning points. I think, John, you said before we started that only what both Manchester clubs and Arsenal have won more away games than Villa all season. Yeah. The new I am. Who know had seven away games for Villa, I think, and won five of them, is it? Yeah, it doesn't sound as uh, yeah, it doesn't sound as impressive when you sort of break down that we've only won five all season. But that is a good record. Better than better than the other four, better than what, thirteen other clubs in the Premier League. So you know, I, this is what I don't understand. We've we've spoken before about this kind of style over substance discussion. Villa are picking up points at a rate of nuts. So why does the style? I mean, I think the style's in flashes good anyway. We're playing some really nice football, but it's kind of the the perception I think is probably that. Especially in this game, I suppose. Oh, well, they're 1 0 up, they're time wasting, they've gone to five at the back, they've changed things, they've gone to six man defence effectively. In some instances, Villa are just grinding it out, a smash and grab. 
I won't describe it as a smash and grab. I think it's a professional game, a, 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 a professional way of playing, being smart about it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't see the the reason for the critique of the style of play and like branding it as bad, boring football. It's it's effective and it will only get better as, as time goes on as well. Yeah, and there was a comment from, well, I think it was the pun, one of the pundits or the one of the presenters after the game that sort of brought up the match stats afterwards and said, oh, but if you look at this, it's like Chelsea have had an amazing game and Villa should be you know, feeling so lucky that they've come away with a 2 0 win at Stamford Bridge. And it's like, well, what do you want us to do? If we're going to dominate the whole game and have 70% possession and have 20 shots, we'll probably win the game 5 0. So <laughs> it's one of two ways, isn't it? We, of course, we're going to grind it out, but grinding it out doesn't mean that you can't play, you know, nice passages of play and uh, building up from the back well. And this has all happened in like five months. So Villa are not mm. even the dark yet. And we've won, you say, like, I think there's only two clubs in in the Premier League that we've got more points than us now since Emery's come in. So it's been a massive improvement, like a, a huge improvement from where we were even four months ago, five months ago. And um, yeah, there's loads to look forward to still and to go to a place like Chelsea. And Chelsea aren't the team that we associate Chelsea as being, should we say, mm-hmm. but that's the team that we've, you know, we all know have spent like half a billion pounds in the last um, seven months or whatever it is. So yeah, a really good performance more so than anything can with those performances, you're going to get results, as we've seen against Brighton, Tottenham, um, those being two clubs who are obviously right up there in the Premier League, and then also uh, yeah, Southamptons and clubs like those. We're doing it against every team, aren't we? So that's the, um, mm. the positive thing. It's not just sort of one-offs here and there or playing a particular team or style of team. We're doing it against everyone. So, um, yeah, loads of positives. Yeah, you mentioned it's not the Chelsea that Chelsea, you know, people expect them to be a top four club and competing for titles. I understand that, but we're unlucky to lose against them this season. And let's not forget this season, it feels like a lifetime ago because probably the World Cup break and a change of manager that our previous manager, Stephen Gerrard, was saying for the reverse fixture, a side like Chelsea should come to Villa Park and wipe the floor with us. You know, I am transforms the club in a couple of months and goes to Stamford Bridge in their backyard and yes they have plenty of shots on target or, or plenty of shots at least and loads of possession but effectively do nothing with it Martinez makes some great saves to keep them out of the game and Villa toy with Chelsea to a certain extent in some aspects as well and, and take the three points and run and it's happy days isn't it Neil I've, I've had, what do you make of the kind of star substance debate it's if we're winning games and picking up points and heading towards European football player you want I don't really care Absolutely. A hundred percent. I remember um, Sam, Sam Allardyce uh, when it was being labelled. I think it was. I think it was in the same rant he went down where he said if his name is Samuel Allardyce, um, people would love him. And I think he said something along the lines of, uh, he was asked then afterwards, well, what is your style? You know, do you think people don't, don't like your style of football? And it was with West Ham, I think, in the and, and they were in the the championship. And he turned around and he said, why do people not like winning football? You know, that's that, that's what he said. And look, I, I don't think we're obviously, I, we're not at Big Sam levels, you know, obviously. We're, we're not at Big Sam levels because we do some really exciting things in the field. Like Alex Moreno is a really exciting attacker on the left-hand yeah. side. Um, uh, the, we've got really exciting play from McGinn. Ramsey, I thought, was brilliant today as well, you know. And, and we make it exciting at the back when we pass the ball directly out to Boubacar Camaro when there's two fellas <laughs> hanging off him. You know, so it's exciting football from that point of view. But I, I think what, what I'd like to, to... What I think Unai Emery has done is he's come in and he's made us an international football team. He's made us play the game like an international team would play the game. You know, mm. because... Look, we all give out about the international break, but you see it in every single tournament. You see a team will go and be well-structured, well-drilled, well-disciplined, well, um, you know, well, well laid out. 
and they'll get results that they shouldn't get in the group stages. And, you know, hey, I'm Irish. <laughs> That's all we could do for a period of time is draw our way through through um, through through uh, qualifying campaigns and draw our way through uh, to World Cup groups. You know, so I've seen it under the likes of Jack Charlton before and under the likes of Mick McCarthy. And it's, you know, it's wholesome when you're, when you're the, the fan of a club that's doing that or, or a nation that's doing that. It's really wholesome. And it gives you that underdog, that kind of steely kind of back against the wall. Everyone's putting us down kind of feeling. And, and I think Aston Villa thrives in that situation. I really think they do. So does Emery. And, yeah, and so does Emery exactly. That's what I was going to say. And and I think this suits him, and I think it's almost done by design. So, uh, mm. look, as you say, winning football is winning football, and long may it continue. I was going to do like the, the audio fan section kind of at the end to give time to people to send ones in, but there's one that you were mentioning in there, Neil, uh, kind of going under the radar, which somebody sent in earlier. I think it was Scott. So I'm going to play this via my phone into the microphone. So hopefully this works and sounds okay, and I'll come to your thoughts afterwards on uh, what Scott says, okay? Yes, Dan. What a win. Literally, I, I just can't believe how much we're going under the radar. We've, we're doing so well. We're one point behind Liverpool. We're above Fulham, and they're meant to have had this amazing season. We're two points behind Brentford and Brighton, who have also had this amazing season. We're, even, we're six points behind Newcastle. Fair enough, they've got two games in hand. And obviously, I'm not saying we're going to catch them. But they've had their best season probably in their history, well, since the 90s. And we're just going so under the radar. I'm just, you just imagine how good we're going to be next year when Emery's actually got all of his own players and a full pre-season. Unbelievable. See, I, I love the fact that we fly under the radar. I think we've spoken about this before on previous episodes. I'm, I'm happy to kind of go unnoticed and, and do our thing away from the prying eyes of the media and the big clubs, kind of looking at all our players and going, oh, Villa are doing all right, let's, let's go and nick some of them. But Scott's point is a great one that we'll talk about Europe later in the show, of course. How could we do a Clark and Blue podcast without mentioning the European tour? Um, yeah, Brighton, Brentford had brilliant seasons. Fulham having a great season and, and I suppose they're surpassing their expectations. Maybe Villa expect, maybe fans expect Villa to be up in the top half and don't expect Fulham to do that. Fulham one of the favourites to go down, weren't they? So yes, they are having a great season. We're above Fulham now, two points behind the other the other two, like I mentioned, six points off Newcastle, which I, I think somebody else said, or, or Scott might have said, that we're not going to catch Newcastle, and that's not the aim. We'll go, we'll go for top four. Like I said, we'll talk about your player in more detail, but it's not it's not out of the realms of possibility that if Villa can string another few wins t- together and following up Chelsea with Leicester and Forest, two sides that are Leicester and free for, I don't think they've I think they picked up one point since they beat us at Villa Park what, six seven games ago. We've won four and drawn one in that time. I think um, vastly different Forest are Forest that can you know, pick up points here and there, but ultimately aren't, aren't a great side. If Villa can end be talking this time next week about another four points, six points. It's a genuine possibility that Villa could qualify for some kind of European football this season, which is, you know, if, if we were kind of in a, a time capsule now and was like playing this back to ourselves back in October, November, you go, what are these? They're, these guys are doing some kind of like hypothetical scenario podcast. What are they talking about? Um, but yeah, the improvement is vast. And, uh, and like Scott said, flying under the radar is, I like that. Yeah, I don't actually have the stats to my aunt, um, on my screen, but I don't know how many points we were away, say, after we beat Brighton. It must have been, I don't know, 20 maybe? Or was that maybe too much? I have no idea, but it, that's what it felt like because it was, you know, obviously climbing out of relegation trouble as we were the season previous when we just brought Gerard in. So um, I think the reason why we've sort of flown under the radar is just because I think two points, the one I think you've already made, Dan, is that 
we are probably supposed to be in and around this current position in terms of league standing between ninth and 12th. I think that was where people probably thought would finish. I think being two points away from European football and what is it like four or five, maybe six from Newcastle. But obviously, we play Newcastle, so that can sort of come down that points. And we play Brighton, Brentford, and Fulham as well. Yeah, it's all there to sort of be, you know, to play for. But I'd also say that there's a lot going on in the Premier League in terms of there's nine teams fighting for relegation. There's six teams going for top four. There's Chelsea having a bad season. So in general, you're not going to hear anything about the team that has been in mid-table for the last couple of weeks being us. But it's only sort of Villa fans who have really... Who, well, it's only us that care about Villa enough to think, oh, actually, by the way, we are here and we're climbing the league and we're, we've got the most points of any of the club bar the best two teams in European football. Um so I think we were always going to fly under the radar. I think if, well, now that we've beat Chelsea, now that we're in ninth and now you can clearly see where we are and where we're going, I think that's probably going to become more of a, or more so in the media spotlight. But I just think because there's so much other things happening in the Premier League and there's more media interest in terms of um, relegation fights, top four, Chelsea not doing well, um, different things like that. The middle of the table where Villa were or in 11th for like three or four months, people have sort of just lost interest in us, if that makes sense. Apart from us Villa fans who know what a brilliant job Emery's been doing. And up until now, yeah, I'm fine with going under the radar, but there will come a point, I think, in the next couple of weeks, if we continue to do what we've been doing, if we beat Leicester, beat Forest, all of a sudden we'll probably be in, probably, sorry, be in that European um whether it's seventh or sixth, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's too far because Brighton's and Brentford are still really good teams, and I think they drew three today. That kind of showed how good mm-hmm. they are and also how similar they are. So, yeah, I'm not too sure about European football, but because we play the teams ahead of us, then there's every chance. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season, so we're what will be like five unbeaten, I think. So. I think that's the longest run, actually, of games since 2010, if that makes sense, of five-game period and beaten, or 13 points out of 15 is what we've got. That's in the, the best Premier League. One. Yeah, in a five-game period since 2010. So I'm not too sure how many, you know, we're not going to win another four or five games in a row, put it that way. So while we need to be consistent, we're going to have to still be, you know, well on top of form and beating those teams above still gonna be a massive ask um but it's absolutely doable when we were saying this a couple of weeks ago emery said it himself like yeah if we win the games that we want to win we'll get european football and that's that like if you get european football you get it on merit you don't just get it because some teams aren't playing well like chelsea or whatever we've still got a lot of work to do to get there but it's absolutely um possible yeah i've just looked at a premier league table date range from july to october 24th the day that emery was appointed but i played 12 games with 12 points man united was sixth with 20 points so eight point swings to uh sixth place back then i suppose, yeah. I suppose probably more importantly is looking the other way just to kind of leave out i mean the, the, the primary target for emery when he initially comes in is stop the rot get anywhere away from relegation we're three points above the relegation zone um, when Emery took charge, if I could do some very quick math, we're on 41 now. Leicester, I've got 25. Uh, help me out. Is that 16 points? 16, yeah. So, you know, to go from three points from the drop zone to, to 16 now, um, that's probably a better barometer of the job Emery's done rather than how much closer we are to, to sixth. Yeah. I agree. And, and uh, like, even I, I saw a tweet that Dan Bardell had out earlier on today as well. He said, like, Brighton, Spurs, Southampton, Everton, Chelsea all away games that we've won under Unai Emery. Previous guy, we'd only get taken two points away from Previous home. guy. <laughs> and, you know, that, uh, that's, and I think that that's, like, that's, that's been the, that's been the, the, the kind of the essence of where Unai Emery has come from. Because, like, Brighton, Spurs, 
Everton to to a serious degree as well at the time because they had because uh, Deich was in there and they were after beating Arsenal and you know they were after didn't they draw with Liverpool or something like that they they gotten some good results and then we went to and beat Everton it wasn't that convincing but we beat Everton and then to come out and beat Chelsea too you know it's it's a serious run to be on uh, considering we've only lost one game away from home since Una Emery's come in and that's against Man City who are arguably going to be. Um, neck and neck with Arsenal come the last day of the season. So that's a serious, that's a really, really good, good turnaround. And as you say, um, st- we're, we're, we're used to, uh, I suppose, flipping a coin in away games, but now we're going into every game. And as I say, it comes back down, it goes back to your last, your last question about style and substance. Does it matter when you list out those teams that we've beaten away from one? For me, it doesn't. And, and I think that, you know, creeping up the, up the league, is exactly what our Aston Villa fans want to do because God knows I remember that game against West Ham when we had to get something out of it to stay up. Um, I was crippled with a hangover. My sister turned thirty the day the day before, and it was there was a brief hiatus in the in the lock in lockdown here in Ireland, and we had a big party. And I think everybody in my town, my small town, got got alcohol poisoning that night. And I watched that game with a bag of peas in my head. Oh, my head was splitting, and when Grealish scored. It was great when Yarmolenko, I think it was, scored. I was, I thought I was literally, I thought I was going to have to call a coroner at some stage. I thought I was dead, but uh, I don't ever want to be in that situation again. Not the hungover part, but the part where Aston Villa are only are relying on last day of the season stuff to stay up. And uh, you know, this is a great complaint for us to have, and it's absolutely fantastic to see it in such a short turnaround because clubs talk about five-year plans, three-year plans, and you know, oh yeah, we give Una Emery a four-year contract or a five-year contract or whatever, but you know, managers only last three years. This guy's turned it around. This guy turned it around in two get two days. He was here two days. We beat Manchester United. Turned around two days, and that's the story of our season. And when I speak to opposition fans, when when I'm on their podcasts or whatever, they they always ask me, hey, you know, Stephen Gerrard, was he doing that bad a job? And I never kind of say yes, he was doing yes. a bad job. But what I say is that I say is this is the job he was doing, but we're a lot better since when Emery came in. And I think that's just fair to say. And it's not dancing on anybody, you know. It's 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 just fair, you know. And that's mm-hmm. the way it is. And and it's it's irrefutable at this stage because we're such a such a a better prospect, I suppose. And we go into every game thinking we can win it to nil as well, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's a, another couple of voice notes that have come in. I've not been able to like half vet. So I'm hoping there's no kind of dodgy legal battles in there or any terrible language or anything, but we'll come first in a bit. There's one on Steven Gerrard as well. While, while we're talking about him, I'll play as well in a second. On Martinez, though, quickly, John, 100 Premier League appearances now for the club, 30-odd, I should know, 36, is it, clean sheets? 35, 34, 34, 34 clean sheets. Was, he's broken some kind of record, which I should know, but I don't, but it's the... the the fastest Villa player to get to that many clean sheets in the Premier League or something like that. Is that right? I think it's the most clean sheets after 100 appearances. I think. Yeah, that it sounds is, yeah, more like yeah. it, doesn't it? Um, it? You've done a podcast, John, um, with John McKenzie from TIFO Football and The Athletic about playing out from the back, which is, again, a topic we'll talk about in a minute as well. Martinez and the goalkeeper is key to that. The kind of early pass to Kamara, which it's not great, is it really? And Kamara didn't have his greatest game either. Again, that's another thing on the talking points in, in a little bit. But Martinez is key for that. A clean sheet, what every three and a bit games. Um, unbelievable, really, to, to be having that level of, of goalkeeper at Aston Villa. And we've also done a podcast about our best Premier League 11s of the, the Premier League era. Martinez is, is probably a great shout for, for most people as an all time Villa goalkeeper as well. 
um yeah just a, a bit of chat from you john while i listen to these voice notes on on how um how good emmy martinez is effectively yeah one of the best keepers in the world and it's bizarre to sort of say that with a straight face when you're a villa fan <laughs> considering where we've come from over the last few years um yeah speaking to john mckenzie t for a regular uh tactical expert obviously emory's trying to build up from the back and the way that we do it it's all quite scripted if that makes sense so you have like a pep guardiola or deserve from brighton there they play out from the back very differently in different situations in different games to suit the opponent the way we do it is always quite similar so our center backs will split the wing backs will go high and kamara will drop in and Wendir will try and get some space and that's the way we play out from the back and all of that is very important for sorry all of that means it's very important for martinez to be um you know on top of his game in terms of in terms of that we know what a good goalkeeper is and although today we almost as you say made a bit of a, a bit of an error similar in a way to the one that we did against um brighton it was just closer to goal mm. as well it was mudrick wasn't it that could have probably should have scored um he had martinez he had 50 touches 53 touches in the game which is quite a lot for a goalkeeper especially away from home mm. but it just proves again when like there's moments in that game where if we were which i don't really recall but if we're two nil up away against the, the top team um, in previous seasons, I, I highly doubt that when Villa retained possession, would th- the first thing we'd think about is let's go back to the keeper or let's go back to our fullbacks and use the keeper to build up again. That it never sort of happened. And again, I think it's just testament to what a good job Emery's done that in five months, which sounds like a long time, but it's not many games. So like fifteen games. Yeah, in half less than half a season, we're already we are very comfortable with that. To make mm. a mistake here and there, every team's going to do that i think most teams across europe and especially in the first 15 games of doing it having not done it at all really um in in their careers by the way you know ming's never really did that um martinez he was obviously at arsenal and had did it ever so slightly under arteta but before then he was playing in lower leagues concert as well did it ever so slightly and dean smith but the premier league a different ball game Mm. um so yeah the way that we're doing it is um super and yeah martinez we all know we don't need to speak about what a good goalkeeper is we all know that but i think the way he's adjusting his game to play out from the back as well that just shows another layer of his qualities and it's something that he's gonna have to improve as well because we all need to so all the squad needs to improve because although you're gonna make mistakes the top teams don't do it so regularly regularly mm-hmm. um yeah uh top top goalkeeper and to get 34 clean sheets and 100 Premier League games for a team that's just been promoted as well mm. or was promoted and he was joined us in our second season didn't he and we've been in 14th 11th and then obviously this season so yeah 34 um clean sheets and 100 games is no mean feat and that's better than everyone that's come before him hasn't it isn't it sorry Brad Friedel mm. obviously Guzan Sorensen and there's another keeper that I've probably missed out there that I can't think but um yeah, top goalkeeper, and we're so we're lucky to have him. We gave him the opportunity, but I think everything that he's saying in the media and stuff is really good as well. Obviously, he wants to play in the Champions League and everything like that, but he's got things that he wants to do at Villa, and I don't think he'll rest until he sort of um, achieves everything in a way. There was a video that Villa posted of Martinez in the dressing room saying, "A oh, great win and good to get the clean sheet, etc." And then he ended by saying, "Now let's get to Europe or something." It's like, oh my god, one of the players is talking about Europe now. Yeah, like, this is all this is all real now. Um, heard it as well coming out of. I have either say Emery's spoken about it, but he was asked directly. Um, mm. But it's nice that the players are sort of, you know, you know, obviously they're they're aware that we're two points away from um, European football. But then saying it as well is like, oh, they actually believe it, and so they should because mm. we're in such good run of form, and they are capable of uh, taking us there. Uh, just quickly checking the fixtures. 
when we play Leicester, is it is it a full round? Oh, it is a full round of fixtures this week. I was going to say if like Leicester, if this Leicester game Tuesday is like our game in hand and no one else is playing, we could be up in in the top six if we win. But uh, who, who plays who? Brentford play Man United on the Wednesday, uh, and Brighton play Bournemouth. And you'd it's, expect them to get something. So possible I, that we've climbed a couple of places again. This week is kind of the this midweek fixture is kind of the one that came in. Uh, there were the fixtures that were cancelled when the Queen died, I think. Mm, I think this yeah. is when it was fixed in. And it was originally supposed to be one of the fixtures that was supposed to be popped in after the World Cup. Mm. Um, I think it was supposed to be kept free in case any any of those had to, any other ones had to be moved around. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. so that's that's what this fixture all is for. Which Let's is great. To and, and it's winnable, you know. So, so keep them coming midweek when they're winnable. <laughs> yeah, so it's a big week, really. Like we said earlier, Leicester now and, and Forest. Like as much as... Yeah, Villa have got a European aspirations or just climbing the Premier League table. If you have a great win against Chelsea on a Saturday Saturday evening, you've got to back it up with uh, a free falling Leicester and a home game to Forest. If you lose both of those, for example, yes, it's not the end of the world because maybe European football isn't possible this season. But for momentum's case and just trying to get into the, as comfortable into the top half as possible, like this time next week, I don't want to be going. Oh, we're back into eleventh, and it was all it was nice last Saturday, but we we didn't have a great week or whatever. It's all about pushing on now and, and keep going. Um, and those, they're just quickly done on those two games as well. They are, if you could hand pick two games to come after winning against Chelsea, you would pick mm, those. Yeah. Leicester have won three games at home. Is that right? Three games at home all season. That's a horrendous record. Sounds about right. Jesus, that's that's really bad. They've lost seven games yeah, at home. Only, they've only won seven games all season. So, yeah. Won, yeah, so they've won three times at home all season. And they're playing. This is It's going to be classic Villa if we don't win this. Um, and we've obviously got an incredible away record and then we play Forest who have won once away from home at the weekend so if you could hand-pick games you would pick those two and yeah not to um, put a negative spin on it but if we don't I'd be um, very disappointed and although that's coming after Chelsea you have to take each game as it comes because we were saying a few weeks ago yeah. although you beat Spurs and teams like that you can't then look and think oh well we'll take a point then against Leicester because then that's four points in two games it's like no if you win that game you need to make use of it and then win yeah. again and again so it's getting out of that sort of mindset that we and I am probably still in Villa fans thinking, oh, you know, we beat Chelsea, but then, oh, so we can afford to, you know, take a point away from home if it comes next. It's when you, if we can win against most teams as we've proven that we can, let's do it. Like, why can't we? Um, if you've won the hard game, you don't back it up by a draw and take that as a good four points. If you, if you drew to Chelsea and back it up with Leicester, you go, oh, that's a good four point haul, but the other way around, it's six points. In the season that we got promoted, uh, yeah. after, I'd get it then, but I'm I'm just saying it because I'm myself, I'm like that, and I'm thinking, oh, there's no way we're going to stay and beat until the rest of the season. But why shouldn't we have that sort of mindset? Because you have to mm. take each game as it comes, and if we're doing that, if you go for all the games that are coming up, we've either beaten them already or been very, very competitive against them in terms of the teams that we've got to come, or we are just in much better form. So, yeah, football doesn't work out like that, and you have to play it, you know, on the pitch. But, yeah, it's an uh, exciting end to the season, for sure. Mr. Emery is just, uh, Aston Villa have just posted there and had a little transcript that said, his exact words are, we are not stopping, we're going to be very demanding and try and get three points and to do better on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, so what you nice. said there, John, about wanting to think about that way of going unbeaten for the rest of the season, uh, Mr. Emery is, is thinking exactly that. So, uh, you know, long yeah. way to continue. And uh, you know what? Yeah, as as uh, that famous phrase, do you want to bet against us? You know, that's kind of what's going through my mind at the moment mm -hmm. uh, with Mr. Emery because he seems to be kind of turning all these faux pas that we've had, Manchester United, the third jersey, all this kind of <laughs> stuff, you know, <laughs> playing on... 
on Sundays, uh, <laughs> playing on Sundays in general, I think all these things turn them all in their heads. So, um, fair play, Tim. You know, let's go, let's go and beat them. Why not? <laughs> While you talk about Mr. Emery, let's go to one of the voice notes and talk about Mr. Gerard very briefly. And I'll say briefly this voice note is 11 seconds long and it's my favorite one I've been sent. Uh, this was from Ben who did the fan phone in last time we did it when Gerard was still here. Uh, so yeah, this is Ben. This is my favorite one. Last time we did one of these, I was the bloody plonker saying, give Gerard more time. If we just sacked him a few games earlier, we'd be sitting in sixth game for the Champions League. Bloody hell. <laughs> Love that. Not really much to say about it, but I just like it. Uh, at least admitting that, yeah, you were wrong about Gerard and we move forward. Uh, very glad about it as well. This is also a 10 second one. It's quite short. I think it's a question. Um, so we'll play this one as well. There's no name for this one. Great win for the Villa boys. 10 games left to go. Let's push on and finish as high up the table as we can. Up the villa. Not a question, but again, I agree with the sentiment, so we'll move on quickly as well. I was slightly wary then I'd not listened to that one. I was thinking, is it 10 seconds? Because it's like a bad one, but no, we got away with it. Uh, where's the one about five at the back? Uh, bear with me, gents. Here we are, five at the back. This is from Will. Hi, guys. Great game today. Will here. Um, I thought it was a brilliant game, complete performance. Just uh, one thing that I was interesting the five at the back thought we played really well chambers did really well do you think uh, that's something we're going to see more of in the future games it's a bit more tight going to a five back of the villa so i would have taken this question maybe before emery and just as a manager managerial question as a whole and thought we've seen five at the back in this instance now will we now see five at the back a manager starting that it's how i would have approached it before and i would have said no nah, we won't play five at the back because that's not you know, we've done it once in a game, so it doesn't mean we'll start like it. I now see that question as, will we see Unai and we play five at the back again for Aston Villa? And my answer to that is definitely, because we'll do the kind of thing that we did today. And he's a reactive manager and noticed or spotted that we were a little bit under the cosh from Chelsea sometimes. So I've got to change it. Kamara's on an early yellow card, not having his greatest game. He got picked up a knock early on as well. He's just come back from injury massively ahead of schedule I, I would say I thought he'd be out for much longer than missing two games I know it's international break as well but even so you know there's a talk about oh if he, if he trains in the, if he trains to good, well tomorrow he'll be in the squad but didn't expect him to start so to me that's ahead of schedule so he comes off Chambers comes on and it, it's instantly your first thing of Chambers plays DM he swaps with Kamara straight swap we play to this five at the back almost a six man defence at times as well like we mentioned earlier and yeah some will say it's a smash and grab or it's boring football it's grinding it out yeah, so what? We're 1-0 we're up at Chelsea. Like, yes, I expect us to, to to think at some point, well, maybe let's kind of consolidate what we've got. You then back that up by still going forward and creating the second goal and winning 2-0 and it's happy days. But my answer to that now is, yes, Emery will adapt to certain situations differently. Do I think we'll start games playing five at the back? Almost certainly not, because I don't think that's his style. Will we change in certain aspects based off the game? Yes. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, He did use... Um a wing-back system at Arsenal a few years ago, but I think that was because of the players he had and different things. And he has used different formations during his career as well, Emery. So when he came into Villa, I think we all probably thought it was the 4 2 3 one because that's what we used when we beat Brentford, but we're, that was just far too simplistic like from our yeah. thinking. Um, and going back to Arsenal as well, they that's what they do to see out games this season. I think Rob Holding always comes on on like the 80th minute or something, and they do five, five at the back and then they win the game without sort of any fuss. Um, but yeah, it just again, we don't need to say it, but Emery is obviously in, his in game management is something that I don't know, like maybe in previous managers or other clubs, you might look at and think, oh, wow, they went, they changed formation and 
they won the game because of that, you know, great in-game management. But with Emery, you must think, well, there's probably so much stuff that he does during the game that we don't even know about. You, you kind of think that, what, what do we even touch on? I don't want to just be as simplistic. So we went five at the back and it was all great. He's probably done so much of the things that have mm. allowed us to win, not just this game, but other games. Um, but yeah, good, uh, it's a good system and it certainly works for our players at that point in the game. I think we used it against Bristol Rovers. Um <laughs> obviously it's a matter that we lost the game we probably played that literally just defending uh, for 90 minutes just to see how it works um almost like a training exercise so yeah worked today and it'll be something that we can use going forward it's about being flexible because sometimes again i'm i'm quite glass half em- uh, half full so half empty sorry and in saying that when some managers come in they get a bounce and they win games but then all of a sudden in the second season opposition managers work them out and they can say Okay, well, this is how Villa are going to build up from the back because they did it after 20 games last season. And here's what they're going to do when, when they go 1 0 down or 1 1 0 up or whatever it may be. So for Emery to change things, as we know he can do, um, that's good to see as well because it just means we've got another sort of layer of um, um, not unpredictability, but another layer of assurance that we can um, win games, see out games in different ways rather than just one. Because someone like Graham Potter can would be able to suss out what Emery's going to do at different points in a game. You probably didn't think we'd go far at the back and take Kamara off at half-time. So, yeah, it's just those little things that um, that make Emery the world-class manager that he is and why we're doing so well at the moment. Go on now. I have a question. You've How got many... a question. I've got a question. How okay. many more points have Manchester City won than us since Una Emery has come in? Um, I assume you know the answer because you've. you've I do. I'm, I'm looking at it yeah, here. Looking at it now. Okay. <laughs> I, I'd say you're asking this. And I'm going I'm to spoil in the front here. That's what I do, I suppose. <laughs> I, say, I, I guess you're asking this because it's not as drastic as, as people will think it's going to be. So yeah, some nice. people will think uh, it's it got be 30 more. points and we've got yeah. 15 or whatever. I'd say it's like a three or four point swing between us as a guess. Three I don't points. know what the specific numbers three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they meant since the 6th of November. City of 32 points, we've 29 points. Brentford, mm. 27. Manchester United, 27. Liverpool, 26. Arsenal, 41, which is, a, that's amazing. <sighs> you know, like that's, if, if Arsenal lose it from here, then I just would not like to be within, actually, I think I'm just about safe here in Ireland from the, from the blowback that would happen from London, uh, you know, if, if, if Arsenal would throw away the league now. But um, no, and the reason that I brought that up was because once again, we talk, we, you were like, there's been a lot in, in, on Twitter recently about is Emery an elite manager and it's all semantics about about names and about about um about how you want to how you want to label him how I want to label him as is he is currently at this moment in time he's the third best best manager in the Premier League and the statistics point to that and they are that and they're there and they show it because Thomas Frank might have something to say about that, I would imagine. But, you know, Villa have done... He knows nothing about these players. Frank has three years with these players. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Una Emery has nothing with these players previously. He knew none of them. Um, he knew Chambers and Chambers and, and, and Martinez, but he, he didn't barely play them in Arsenal. You know, mm-hmm. so they would have been a step down from what he knew in this league. So uh, going back to that, and I think this that really this pod's team is really about that. You know, it's about um, the style of play. Um, uh, because it's it's so prevalent and it's the one thing that you know you, you listen to the Sky Sports punditry afterwards and we spoke about it uh, there. There was twenty minutes talking about how bad Chelsea were, but 
who cares at the end of the day that's not our problem like i suppose another question is does potter see out the rest of the season i think they'd be mad to sack him because mm. they've given him the toughest job in world football at the moment the absolute toughest they've given him they they, they hired him to get them out of the mire and then they gave him like a 15 players out of nowhere and then said gel them and give him no time i think it'd be absolutely insane to get rid of him it would be insane just, but they do just, things just on that start there, you mentioned about the points haul uh, between us and Man City. That's only the, the case that it is because Man City beat us, no? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So if, if we beat Man City, that's the other way around. That we, we're three points over them. So it's, it's, it's obviously fine margins, but yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, we should I mean, beat Wolves, bring it yeah. on to a one-point gap. You know, things like yeah. that as well, you know. We can feel I mean, the like going to be three well, points behind Man say, City. Man City will say, if we yeah. beat so-and-so, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand your point. Um, there's two players that I want to speak about specifically that I don't think we've mentioned yet, so I'm going to kind of save that in a second because I want to kind of rattle through some of these voice notes. Some of them are like a minute long, so I'll just kind of let them go. This first one was from uh, Kieran, I think. It's a minute long, so Kieran, take it away. Thanks for having me on the pod, guys. Um, the last time I spoke to you, I was basically commiserating what was, in my mind, the worst football I've seen in years and years and years under a certain previous manager. Um, what we are seeing now under Unai Emery is the, just the complete polar opposite of that. He is unleashing the best that each of our players have to offer. I mean, look at John McGinn. He's finally bringing some of that international form to the team. We've seen it. We've seen what he can do. That is unbelievable. Ollie Watkins is clean in five. I mean, he's just literally made history. It's unbelievable. And you know what? I'm starting to think, I'll say it. Why not head for Europe? <laughs> what do we have to lose at this point? Just go for it, boys. Enjoy the momentum and just have an absolute blast because you know what? We as fans are from the Scottish villains up the villa. Well, I didn't plan that at all, but the two players I mentioned that I wanted to speak about that I haven't was McGinn and Watkins. So this is a perfect kind of uh, uh, segue into those two. You can take one each year. Who wants, who wants what? Has anyone got a preference on who they would like to speak about, John? I'll take uh, John McGinn. Okay, let's start with Watkins then. Neil, <laughs> yeah, how, good, great how good has Ollie Watkins been in this turnaround? Five in five consecutive goal scoring away games now. Um, first player to do that since, well, first player in, in Premier League history for Aston Villa to do that. First player since, uh, who was the name you said before? Tony Hatley. Tony Hatley in like, 1968 or something like that. So, again, math's better than me. 60-odd years or something, I don't know. Um, it's, it's some achievement. The fact that, as well, the kind of surprising thing for me with that stat, I know you can kind of... It's a five-game spell, a five-away game, so possibly a 10-game or so um, period of, of form, I guess. We've had some brilliant strikers since 1960-odd. So the fact that it's taken until 2023 for Ollie Watkins to do it, who you know maybe not be on a par with whoever Aston Villa hero you want to chuck in there, is some achievement for him to do. And the fact that he was on three goals in January and he's now on double figures, getting into double figures for the third consecutive season as well. Only I think Harry Kane, Hummin Son and Mo Salah, I think, Salah, have done, done yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah, at some stage we're all talking about, oh, maybe we need to improve on Ollie Watkins. Six months later we're going, Ollie Watkins is pretty good, isn't he? Well, Dan, 
I'm delighted that you've asked me that question because uh, I am the conductor of the Ollie Watkins fan bus and uh, I have been for quite a while at this moment in time and I've been stamping tickets and I've been, I've, I've noticed that there, that there was a few people weren't coming on the bus for a while there. I noticed that there was, there was a couple of free seats there. I don't know. I thought it might have been COVID related or whatever. I wasn't 100% sure. But the bus is full now and I'm delighted. Um going to buy a double decker i think at this stage to to fit everybody on it but no i just because um on our own podcast myself and paddy at the start of the season we had this kind of back and forth over danny ings or ollie hawkins and it still goes on and it's it, it's it's a bit of crack and there was a hashtag team paddy hashtag team team neil uh thing going on there for a while and i must say I was feeling like I would never be vindicated <laughs> at one stage <laughs> at the turn of the year. I was going, damn it, I'm after. Uh, but no, everything is coming right, I think, for Ali Watkins. And look, I think today was an actual perfect kind of microcosm of, of why Ali Watkins, uh, of the improvement in Ali Watkins today. He absolutely ate Kulabali's dinner today. He was fantastic. Kulabali didn't, didn't know how to defend him at all. Yeah, some battle. And I think... And Chelsea tried to be cute today because Chelsea played Kukurea, who I'm just going to come out and say it. I said it in my own podcast, if he's worth 60 million, I need a new agent because I'm definitely <laughs> worth a couple of tens of millions. He is useless. I'm sorry, but I cannot I cannot get behind Kukurea. Never, I never bought the hype in him. Reese James on the other side is really good, but coming back from injury, like Chelsea got cute and they played two fast, nippy players in there. And... um. Uh, Ollie Watkins was then was marshaled by Koulibaly and I looked at that team and I went this is great this this is fantastic news for Villa because Watkins is going to draw him left right and centre and he did and he found lots of space today yes he's missed he's missed it went probably about 14 yards wide <laughs> the first one that he took I, I I saw that shot and I went ooh today could be one of those days but then mm. his, his goal was brilliant you know to be able to just have the composure to lift it over the goalkeeper but he won everything that went into the channels. He won everything. Like, and McGinn, I thought McGinn was really good. And I know you're going to get on to John McGinn, but the way he played Clay Kukurea and Aaron Ram and Jacob Ramsey, the way they pushed up on, on both Kukurea and um, and Reese James and made them come forward to isolate Ali Watkins, that is an Unai Emery staple. And the amount of times this season Ali Watkins has been isolated on a mm. centre half, even when they play a three at the back, has been has been brilliant. And that's one of the beautiful things is when we break at pace before it was head down with Leon Bailey and hope he doesn't crash into the first the first defender. Whereas now it's a bit more intricate whereby there's runners off the ball. And you mentioned the likes of Buendia getting, um, uh, John, you mentioned there when you were talking to John McKenzie that um, Buendia gets, gets, gets uh, kind of, he starts to roam and he creates that space in there. That also creates the space for Ali Watkins. And Ali Watkins needs to be an off the shoulder type guy. And we're seeing the benefits of this because, uh, yes, he's had some really good finishes. He's had he's fluffed his lines in a couple of couple of one to ones. That's to be like he's not a complete striker, and I, I'm fully okay in saying that. But um, you know, he is a form English striker at this moment in time with Harry Kane, with Ivan Tony, and with Marcus Rashford. And um, you know, I'm going to say this because. I'm not. I'm not English. I was delighted he didn't get called up for the England team because he could stay at home in Bollymore Heat. And I yeah. want him to perform for Aston Villa, and he will, and he is, and he's doing it. And let him get his just rewards at the end of the season. And if he ends up getting his England recall for the at the end of the season, we'll then fair play to him because I think he deserves it because he's re he's reworked his game under Emery and, and it's paying dividends. 
No, I'm English and I was more than happy for him to start by more heat as well. <laughs> <laughs> don't care about England, to be honest. Um, John Townley, talk to me about John McGinn, a Scottish international who you know, loads of people in the comments on the podcast in the last six months, a year, whatever it might be, people saying things like, why can he not play the same kind of football for Aston Villa that he does in the international team for Scotland? He plays a different role, he plays a lot more further forward. I don't know how many goals he's on now, but I know he's kind of hit a landmark recently, hasn't he? Or a landmark appearances, and you kind of think, what what is McGinn's level for Scotland? Um, he's had two great games for them in the international break, just gone. Uh, obviously, beating Spain in, in one of those, but um, McGinn's been good since Emery's come in. Basically, I think he's kind of transformed his game. He looks fitter than ever as well, which is is important. Uh, so, John, <clears throat> talk me through McGinn and his improvement. Yeah, much like Watkins, he looks like a different player under Emery, doesn't he? Um, mm. I've said it for a few years and most of the fans will agree, but that John McGinn that we had in the championship was an incredible footballer. <laughs> the way he would motor past people, he could not be stopped at any point in the game. It was, I'd never seen a player like that before, almost like Grealish. I'd never seen that sort of player before. So for him to get that injury that he got like two years ago against Southampton in the season that we stayed up, um, he missed a lot of, a lot. A lot of the season come back a bit early in Project Restart. I think even since then, he's been asked to do different roles, but he hasn't been the same sort of relentless John McGinn that we know that he can be. And maybe that's confidence, maybe that's different things. But whatever it is, he's now returning or has returned to that player that he was. Mm. And it sounds weird, return to the player he was in the championship, but how he how he looks and how he feels in the game, that it's there. Like he can tell he's got that bite and that confidence about him. Now he's not just sort of bumping into people and giving away cheap free kicks. He's, mm. he's taking the ball, driving up the field, getting assists. And thankfully today got his goal and what a quality goal it was. Um, one of his best goals probably of his career and he's scored some <laughs> nice ones, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I, he's, he's got a fair chance of breaking the Scotland like all-time record score. I think he's like 10 or 12 goals out, which sounds like a lot, but he's only 28 now, I think. So if he plays for the Scottish national team for another four or five years, you never know. Like mm. anything like Kenny Daglish or something that's up there, or maybe someone else. Is he really that close? Christ, that's, I thought it was more than that. It's like 10 or 12 goals, I'm pretty sure. But either way, he's moving up that ladder like rapidly from midfield, and he does score like every game for Scotland, to be fair. Um, but yeah, what he's bringing to the team is something that you can't really have in anyone else. And he's, he's that sort of player, isn't he? He's, um, he's just unique, like said, like he was in the Championship. And he, he lost that sort of... Uh, unique style, I suppose, in the last couple of years because he was asked to do things that just don't fit his game, like covering the right back and sort of mm. having the shackles on him. And Gerard and even Smith, to an extent, would always say that he's a threat and he can get in the box and they want him to do X, Y and Z. But ultimately, you need to give him that freedom because that's when you're going to get the best out of him. And that's when he's at most... Um, effect, I suppose, when players can't pick him up when he's breaking lines and charging forward. How do you stop John McGinn when he's going in full, you know, full pelt and sort of elbows <laughs> in the air running? It's incredibly hard to stop. And yeah, he's in probably the form of his really career at the moment, I'd say, because he's playing yeah. at such a high level um, against high level opposition and shining for us. So yeah, long mate continue today. He had 75% pass accuracy. He had four out of four dribbles completed, which shows what I mean in terms of when you get him on the half turn and he's running, you ain't stopping him. And then he's got quality to pick it out as well. Um, pick out his teammates, sorry, three passes into the final third. And the one thing that he said after the commentator asked, like, what was the key behind the win? He just said run, <laughs> like running, running and a lot of it. So, yeah, that sort of sums up Villa's performance, sort of dogged, but at the same time, bits of quality for his goal. Um, mm. And yeah, fully deserved to win. 
today and it's the performances like John McGinn that sort of epitomise where we want to go under Emery, sort of hard work, graft, but a bit of quality to sort of um, stand out. Before you got yeah, a goal, that, he's got he's got a goal. He hit the bars hard in the earlier on. I don't know whether it was directly from a move out from the back, but it's certainly two periods in play where we played out from the back nicely, and all of a sudden we're at the other end. And McGinn's hitting the bar, and you kind of think, "Oh my god, that goes in." We're kind of talking goal of the season territory for the for the whole move there, and that's like a peak kind of example of what we're trying to do. If there's any kind of grumbles or frustrations about why we're drawing a player in, and Martinez is giving it to Kamara in the first five minutes under pressure, it's for that when it does work, it's that kind of result that you get in the end. Um, did you have something on McGinn you wanted to chuck in, Neil? I just looked up the statistics about Scotland there, and John McGinn has a better average scoring rate than Kenny Dalglish did have for, <laughs> for Scotland. So he's 16 and 54. Dalglish had uh, 30 and 102. Dennis Law is top, joint top with 30 and 55. So um, John McGinn is about 14 away from being top scorer. But he's three away from the likes of Ali McCoist. He's two away from Kenny Miller. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, so, you know, they would, you know, John McGinn does it in a blue shirt and, and he's uh, hopefully he starts to score it in a claret and blue shirt as well. Yeah, I think he could get in the top three or four quite comfortably if he's only three or four goals away. Getting 30 might be a bit of a stretch, but like you said, John, if he plays for Scotland for the next five, six years, it's not yeah, impossible. John. It needs Scotland to do well as well, I guess, which is maybe the harder part of that, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, there's a couple of there's a couple of voice notes that are about a minute long. One is from a, an Irish guy and one's from uh, a guy that's in Malaga. Uh, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation here. Now, not for his name, it's Ronan, but it's from County Lace, L-A-O-I-S. Leash. Leash. Why is that, yeah. why is that leash, Neil? Come on, <laughs> nothing like leash. No, no H. From County Lois is Ronan. Uh, <laughs> he, says, he, says, he says this. All right, Dan, Matt, Ashley, John, hope you're keeping well, lads. Two out of four is not bad. Unbelievable way of performance on Rooney Emery. He's really transformed his club since coming in. Um, there's been so many times that we've seen Aston Villa go a goal or two up against the bigger sides and just completely crumble to a scuttery penalty or something silly. But just it's completely under control today. Defended so well, apart from one or two iffy moments from corners. But just such a breath of fresh air to have Unai at the club. He's doing so well. Like When he came in, we were outside the relegation zone and goal scored or something like that. Whereas now we're looking up, we're only a point off Liverpool in sixth. We still got a lot of them teams left to play. I think it's, I think we're allowed to get a bit giddy now. Like you know, I think if we were to somehow scrape into them Europa League, Europa Conference League spots, it would be, you know, a massive achievement, a massive overachievement, considering where we were. But I think we can afford to get a bit giddy, and a bit excited. We still got a lot of them teams above us to play. We still got the likes of Brentford, Liverpool, Spurs, all to play. Brighton the last day of the season, so. I think we can definitely get a bit giddy. I think we can definitely lose the run of ourselves a bit and enjoy it for what it is. And just to think that this hopefully will only only get better when he has his own transfer window in the summer to bring in a couple more bodies and just to complement what we have, get Diego Carlos back fit as well. Future's bright, lads. Have to enjoy it while it's here. Yeah, that Brighton game on the last day of the season could be massive, couldn't it, for a potential European spot? I totally forgot we got that on the last day. Um, I love the word, the use of the word giddy three times in that. Are we allowed to be giddy, Neil? Yeah, 
I, I love the word he, he said, a scuttery penalty, which is a very Irish thing to say. <laughs> that I started laughing when he said that. But yeah, giddiness, look, you, I, I'm going to well, put it this way. It's what? It's quarter past nine. I'd say if, you were to, if we were to do this again at 11 o'clock, I'd be rather giddy now tonight because you got to celebrate the wins. You got to celebrate the successes and you got to celebrate the good times because uh, they, they don't come around too often. Well, even if they do come around too often, you got to celebrate them because they could always be the last time that you've, you, you that you have a good run of form. You know, you you talk to teams likes of um, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on teams that have gone out of existence? Bur- like Bury, uh, Bury mm. FC. You talk to their fans, you know, like and they would have thought that like being a being a football league team was great, and you know that they would have always been one takeover away from maybe really solidifying themselves there. And then they're out of business. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Aston Villa now under our new owners, but we nearly went there. And now we're here and we're having the success and we've rebuilt and you've got the great infrastructure projects that are going on for with the club at the moment, which I think are really, really like there's some really great stuff going on from that point of view. Uh, you've got owners who are bought in. And if you want to keep that good thing, those good things rolling, rolling, you got to have successes and you got to like it and you got to celebrate it. So, you know, it's we're here for a good time, not for a long time. So, you know, you got to you got to understand that, too, as well, when the good days come along. I mean, even if you take today's result in isolation, we've not beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge till, since 2011. Alex McLeish yeah. was in charge then. I mean, that's a pretty crap record that Emery's got rid of as well. Um, there's a comment from Richard here that I like. He said, like, I genuinely believe we can get a result in every game, Emery. Uh, mm. Terrible way I've read that out there. I genuinely believe we can get a result in every game. Full stop, Richard. Emery is a master tactician. Exclamation mark. Um, which, yeah, is, is bang on. I, I, it's, it's been a long time since I felt like that, watching Aston Villa either at Villa Park or on the TV or, or whatever. I kind of think anyone we play, yeah, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, whoever it is, I still think if we're on our game today, especially because Emery is kind of a, a cup competition manager, if you always say any game is a one-off, you kind of think, well, if you've got a master plan for this one specific game, maybe we can beat any, any single team out there. Um, also important to note that we've scored in every game under Emery, 15 Premier League games. We've not, not had a, a, a nil next to our name yet, uh, which, it, which is lovely. You put it say, put it another way, Dan, and say if you sort of flip it and look at the opposition's view, if you try and beat Villa, you've got to do a hell of a job to, to do yeah. that. You know what I mean, like it's, it, it's us saying, um, you know, uh, we, we can compete against anyone or do whatever, but every club that's playing us now is thinking, oh, we've got Villa <laughs> we've got Villa coming and that's not something that probably would happen in recent years so that's another sort of perspective on it oh, no one wants to play Villa and that's yeah. um, that's some position to be and go and head uh, next season yeah, it's, you'd be thinking we've got to we've got to get a clean sheet today because they always score. So we've, if we get a clean sheet, we've got a good chance. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, we'll end with this last one from um, no name, but it's just put love from Malaga. It's Fifty-seven seconds. I didn't get to listen to it all the way through. So fingers crossed that we end on a, on a good note here. Rollo, just want to say quick thank you for all the podcasts over the years. Really enjoying it. Big hello to everyone there today. I'm in Malaga. I've been living here twelve years. Last time. Villa bet Chelsea. I had a season ticket. I was in the away end. I was on Sky Sports. My top off today, a little bit more calm. But my God, did I celebrate in the house here with my baby? What a result! What a performance! And it's been coming. We look a different animal under you and I, Emery. We're Europe bound. I think we will bring. We will pull in the rest of those teams ahead of us. The best thing about this run in, people think it's difficult, but not really, is it? Because we've got these teams ahead of us. We can reel them in. Brighton. Brentford, the pool possibly, but me, one team I do want to peel in, or pull in rather, 
is Newcastle. And I really want to beat them because I can't stand them. <laughs> Sub on the time and up the villa. Okay, good. We've got away with it. Gosh, I wonder where he was going that for a second. <laughs> Sub on the time is what he said at the end. Um, yeah, love that. Irish are taking over. Yeah, Irish are taking over. Yeah, Irish, unbelievable yeah. scenes. Uh, yeah, love that. Just nice positivity. I like that you can like kind of look at the running now and at a certain stage, whether it be this season or, or seasons gone past, you'd look at certain games and think, well, that's a difficult game, that is. We're now in this state of mind where an Irish guy from in Malaga is watching, is looking at the fixtures going, hey, it's not that hard, is it? We can beat anybody. And that's a great, that's a great place to be in, isn't it, as a fan? I feel like if you... Like I want to just sort of stop in this moment in time and just put it in like a time capsule, and just, just because anything that happens in the future now, we'll look back to this sort of moment and be like, oh yeah. wow, what a position we were in there! Like just beat Chelsea, unbeaten in five, got a big summer window coming up. Everything is just kind of perfect right now. <laughs> so anything that comes after here, I'm a bit like, well, let's see where we go. But this is the moment where you look back on and think, oh, who knows what's going to happen from here? And that's incredibly exciting. Um, so yeah, and that's like, why you celebrate the wins. That's exactly, exactly why you celebrate the wins because you could look back at the score. Do you remember that day, that night we were all in cloud nine? Yeah, <laughs> and I never celebrated. Brr, I don't know when I'll have one of those moments again. So yeah, exactly. And that's what we need to do. Like this is the moment where we're all thinking, "Oh, hold on, two two points from Europe. We play all the teams ahead of us. We've got a big summer coming. We have Emery. We're fifteen games into his tenure. Like everything is perfect, even from the top down to the academy. The whole lot is there. Mm. So yeah, let's just ride with it and. I hope this is the start of something um, incredibly exciting, and I'm sure it is. There's a podcast that we filmed, John. I don't know whether it was the Douglas Louise one that's already gone out or one of the other ones that we filmed that hasn't come out yet. And we were sat at the desk I'm at now, and I was saying, like, if we look further down the line, everything's all right at the moment. It, it, it all kind of leads to that if I go all the way down there to like the end of the timeline, it yeah. results in Emery being successful because there's so many kind of like incremental small wins that are all adding up to like this big overall villa are getting bigger, uh, better narrative. Um, just to end then, so I've got a random shout out I need to do, but to end the kind of football chat between the, t- the three of us, in a, a word or as simple as you can make your answer, both of you will go with Neil first. European football, Neil, this season, yes or no? As in, will we do it? Not would you like it? Because obviously the answer is yes. Do you think we'll do it? Um, no. <laughs> Ooh, John, yes or no? <laughs> I know as well. Oh, we get out, seven, seven minutes of like being on cloud nine, eyes a kite. Nah, I don't think we'll get European football though. <laughs> if we win five games, if we win five of our last ten games, we'll get it. Because I think fifty-six points will get you. We'll, we'll, we'll get you. But when you see fifty-six points, and I think that's a fair shout. The fifty-six will be will be the, the the barometer. But like when you look at that, actually, do you know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to say what? yeah because I think eight <laughs> position could get you it. Eight position yeah, get you yeah, your conference possible, league, yeah. and yeah. I I forgot I I was still in the mindset of us still being in eleventh because you know that's old habits die hard. But you know we're one place place away depending on what way cup results go. We could mm. we you could get conference league. Uh, like are we going to get are we going to get Champions League? No, we're not going to get no, Champions no, no. League. But we're but we could get conference league. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to change it to yes. Yeah, go on. I, I think we can get what Europa is- League. What is the forget, stipulation? Forget the Conference League. I mean, if we get it, I'd absolutely love it. But we're two points off sixth place, Neil. Like, why are we rolling out the Europa yeah. League? There's only one yeah. win. Just, just uh, games in hand, I suppose. Really, is yeah. where where I, that that was my reason for saying no initially was games in hand. Um, but then again, those teams that them, games in hand and us, yeah, those games in hand are essentially against us. As I know that they're not against us, they can't be because. But we still play those teams. 
So yeah. we've we've an opportunity to take those points back off them as well. So, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to change the yes. But my initial answer was, as I said, I thought there was just too many teams above us because you know, laws of averages would say that that uh, the more teams you got to leapfrog, uh, the less likely it is. But um, yeah, let's go for it. What's the stipulation to get eighth? Is that if Brighton don't win the FA Cup, is then eighth open for Conference League? Yes. I yeah. think that's what it is. I read it somewhere today. It was, I just read it somewhere today. So, okay. um, yeah, I, I would say yes then because I do think we'd finish above. Maybe one more team. I think Brighton are in really good form. Brentford have Brentford have. If you look at their form over the last like twenty games, they've lost like one game, which is incredible. They went on like a twelve match unbeaten run at one point in the season. We're getting all excited over a five match unbeaten run. So. There are some really good teams in this league, and we are only ninth at the moment. But there's every reason why we can't. There's no reason, sorry, why we can't finish. Uh, I'll bring eight. you back to the point that we've 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 uh, gained more points than Brentford over that period of time as yeah. well, though. Yeah, just like two points, but still, they they needed to go on a twenty match or winning losing one game in twenty one match in twenty games, whereas we won more games, I think. So, um, but then again, drawing is a, drawing is a skill as well. Not losing games and drawing them is a skill. Brighton, that's what that's what's kept Brighton. Uh, so high up in the league since they've come into the Premier League too is the ability to not lose from from a drawing position, whereas Villa have been really bad at that since they've gotten yeah. into the Premier League again. So I've just been going through the fixture list <laughs> and trying to work out some maths, but I'm rubbish at maths. So I've just seen that Emery's played 15 for us in the Premier League so far and won nine. Is that right? Because it sounds like a lot, and it feels like that shouldn't be a ratio that Villa have got winning nine out of 15, but. I tried to yeah. go through and add them up as quick as I can, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's right. One nine from fifteen. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, We've got Brighton, yeah. Man United, Spurs. Most we've won games. five away. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. It's got to be nine. That's got to be right. So we've won nine from fifteen, and there's ten left. So if you can work out what nine in fifteen is as a points per game, or you know, x wins out of x, can we then kind of say that we're going to win six out of ten, or seven out of ten, and work out be, a kind yeah. of projection? Yeah. Nine from fifteen, it's yeah. So you two thirds of that, yeah, would be six from ten. Yeah. So if we win six out of ten, that's another eighteen points. We're on what now? Forty-one, is it? Yeah. Well, I was even saying if we win five out of ten, you know, fifty-six seems like a good number historically to get into Europe on fifty-six points. I think, but then, and then again, you know, you look at our fixtures, uh, and I hate playing the fixture game because every game is different. But you know. Put it this way, if we were to do this podcast after Forest at the weekend and mm-hmm. we've beaten Leicester and Forest, I'm buying the factor 50, put it that way. <laughs> factor 50 for a cold Tuesday night, Thursday yeah. night to yeah. Czech Republic or whatever. Yeah, yeah Tallinn, yeah, or somewhere like that. <laughs> Out yeah. in the Faroe Islands. <laughs> I think I think to, to balance, you two both said no initially, I'm going to say yes, that we'll get some just, kind of European football this season. I just need to see it to believe it. I'm still in that position of... Mm. But then really you, when, you, when you say that we've won 9 out of 15, that know, isn't a Villa thing to do. It's absolutely all there. It's all there in front of me. And it says, wow, Villa are an incredible team. And if this wasn't Aston Villa and it was you know, any other club, I'd be saying they were on the up and they'll probably get European football. But it's yeah. literally just a mental thing if I'm a Villa fan. And I, for whatever reason, I have a blocker made that says Villa in European football is just too soon. And... It probably doesn't make much sense because we are the, the third best team in the league in terms of form of not just six games, but like 15. <laughs> so there's every chance we should and we probably will. But at the moment, I'm just a bit like, I need to see it to believe it. And I think in the last few games of the season, that's when I'll be more sort of, um, yes, we probably can. Mm. But while we've still got, how many games have we got left of the season now? Is it 10. 10. 10. Still a lot of football to play. Um, 
But yeah, mm. let's try and be optimistic, I suppose. And yeah, let's take every game as it comes and we can win all of them. We probably won't, but we can. <laughs> that's the thing in each game. We can go into that game and win. So mm. that's quite crazy, really, from where we've come from in, in the space of five months. To come here from Ryan, I don't know whether this permutation is right. He says, no Villa will finish eighth and West Ham win the Conference League and take the place off us. Surely, Europe, if they win that, they'll go into the Europa League or something rather than the Conference. Oh, and if anything, it'll push it down a place. Yeah, but, but you lose uh, out. No, uh, and I think there's there's some stipulation. Oh, swap you, yeah, maybe something along those lines. Yeah, You lose mm-hmm. out in, the, in a Conference League place then. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, hopefully, it doesn't come to that anyway. West Ham, I'm going to win it all. Quickly before we go, Dan, would you want Conference League football next year? Just with everything else that it brings, would that stop us in the league next year? I'm just... No, I don't care. We'll worry about that. It's the it's it's case of this window as you go, oh, we've got Europe, by the way, so that kind of elevates your level. I was, I was going to find, finish with the last point that I saw a conversation on social media last week or the week before. Like, and it's a similar thing about when we were in the Championship about getting promoted too early, as in if you go up and we're not ready for it. Like, I, did, oh, I, I never got that. I have to sign do... loads of players. Like, if we go up this season, we won't be ready for it. You know, we'd PTSD come straight back down. You do escape that. <laughs> you, get, you get some of the ca- same kind of conversation now going, if we get Europe this season, whatever it is, Conference League, Europa League, not the Champions League, people would go, well, Villa aren't ready for it yet. So we'd go out in the first round or whatever, and it'd be a waste of time and it'd be, it'd be a pointless oh. achievement. For me, oh. if you say European football, yes or no, it's yes at all costs because you're then your the players that you've got suddenly go, Villa are, are heading in the right direction. Your transfer targets change based off the back of that. And that's why we're just kind of writing off <laughs> the future by going, oh, well, we're not ready for it, so we'll lose in the first round. Why can't you're we go dead right away, then. straight away? And plus, if... First time? And if the bigger teams get their way with regards to this coefficient number that's going to actually get teams into Europe, even though they don't get it on merit, they get it on coefficient. And mm. look, those battles are going to come back in the horizon again this this summer. The summer, the Super League, the 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 renovation of of Europa, um, of the the UEFA kind of uh, competitions, they're going to come back in. We need to be getting Europe sooner sooner than we think, you know. Yeah. But otherwise, it becomes a closed shop. Give me Europe any day of the week. And, and with regards to, you know, you look at likes of West Ham this season and, the, and their lull coming back from Europa games. Good managers manage this. Yeah. It's not a problem for good ma- And I'm at, like, David Moyes did it last year. And, 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 and no, he didn't do it last year because they were, I don't think they were in Europe last year. But, you know, good European managers manage it. Yeah. Was it last year? That was last yeah. season, I think. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was, yeah. So, anyway, so, okay. He did do it last year. <laughs> but let, it, let it out, Neil. Don't worry about it. Let it out. <laughs> good manager. I've only got enough claret and blue in my mind for one team. Um, but but like as I say, Una Emery, if you want a manager to go and play on a Thursday night yeah. and come back to the league, we've the bloody best of the business. He goes away and he wins the yeah. tournament, you know. So we can't give up this chance. Getting Europe now is really good for Aston Villa Football Club. It's really mm. good because of the manager we have, the infrastructure we have set up as well. And the players that we have at this moment in time are all prime players. Very few of them over 30. If Tyrone Mings reached 30 recently, if Emmy Martinez is 30, I'm blanking if I don't think anybody else in the team is even. Um, Luca Dean is 30. Uh, Ashley Young is 38. Ashley Young is six, something like 31 days old younger than me which wow. makes me feel awful every single time I, I see his date of birth um but you know what i'm getting at here is that the core element of the team here the they're they're in their prime they're in their peak they're all 26 27 28 29 
that's when you want the players uh, to. That's when the players are, are 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 glowing from a potential point of view. So you know, if we get it this year, absolutely sign me up for it. It should never be thought of as a negative. Never. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'm gonna have to call the podcast there because as much as I'm loving the chat, I'm starving. We've done over an hour and it's half nine. And I want to go have a drink. I want to get some food and enjoy the rest of the night. I've got to end with a shout out though because I promised I would. My mum and dad went to well, mainly my dad really because my mum just kind of goes with my dad as. <laughs> Like he's carer. It's obviously not. But like my mom doesn't care about football, but she's gone to this like evening with um Andy Gray recently. And I quite came back with this like a big print of Andy Gray's face and yeah. a sign thing. I'm gonna give this away as a prize at some point, so um stay tuned for that whenever, don't know when. Um but they were just chatting to a couple of people that they were sat with and um one of the guys happened to be a big Clarent Blue podcast fan. My mom was texting me going, Oh, I think I think uh, Jez was his name. She just put Jez, tell you later. And I was like, Okay. And she was like, oh, Jez, uh, we spoke to him earlier and he watched the podcast. He loves it. He said, can we uh, have a shout out, blah, blah, blah. So, Jez, thank you very much for watching. I hope you enjoy the end of great evening. Sorry you had to speak to my mum and dad for so long. That must have been painful. Uh, but, yeah, nice to uh, kind of get feedback like that where people just randomly, like, it wasn't even to me or any of us. It was my parents got into conversation about Aston Villa, talked about the podcast in some aspects and then, getting uh, some nice feedback which was which was really nice so yeah thanks Jess for watching as always um Neil thank you for joining us as a kind of special guest we thought that John might not be available tonight and then <laughs> as soon as we're about to start recording he's like oh yeah I'm ready so the three-way podcast I enjoyed it very much as well it's uh, nice to do something a little bit different with the fan phone in section as well might try and do that um for every game going forward the only problem is when we do it for home games I need to like vet them and listen to them to make sure it's not a blues fan taking the mic or whatever so we'll mm-hmm. do it as and when because I think it was a nice a nice addition John thanks for joining us unexpectedly your insight is uh, appreciated as ever thanks Thank to the 650 people watching on a Saturday night that's our biggest kind of live viewership for a long time so nice to see that Villa have come back with a, a nice big result and we're getting some big numbers off the back of it as well which is, which is really nice to see so thank you very much for everyone tuning in as always we'll be back on Monday with our next podcast which will be John and John McKenzie talking tactics it was filmed before Chelsea but everything they talked about still applies because we play the same way and if anything it's some further evidence to, to what we've seen so we'll be back on Monday uh, so stay tuned to the Club podcast for more just chat thank you gents for joining me as always all aboard the European bus and uh, we'll see you again very very soon Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.